Jesus came out of the tomb. He's coming soon. One day, you know, there'll be no more Zoom because with Christ, there's plenty of room. Amen. That's going to be a good day. Take your Bible. Open to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, verse 20 through 26 will be our text. And it's, it's that time to message somebody, text somebody, DM somebody, let them know, hey, come join us for worship. We're about to get into the Word. So get that Word out. We're about to get in the Word. 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 26. We'll read that here in a moment. Tanya and I celebrated 19 years of marriage this past week. And I tell you, she is highly favored and she is blessed. <laughs> no, in fact, I'm, I'm the one that's favored and blessed. But we uh, attended a Dave Ramsey conference early in our marriage, and we wanted to take some of those financial principles and implement them in our marriage and in our family, our household. And so we did that, and some of them we still implement today. But I wonder if this has ever happened to anybody else. There, there seems to be this phenomenon that keeps happening to us, and I've never heard Dave Ramsey address it directly, and I wonder if it's ever happened to you. About a year, a little over a year ago, we made the last payment on Tanya's Buick Enclave. So we were excited about that. Got the car paid off. That's something to celebrate. Excited about that. And then the very next morning of the very next day, her transmission went out. The car just quit working. Like we paid it off and it quit working. So later that day, we went and bought her another car. Just this past week, we made the final payment on our swimming pool. And we we're excited about that. And guess what? <laughs> The very next morning and the very next day, the pool pump goes out. It just quit working. Why are these things, we pay them off, they quit working. Why is that happening? Well, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul is reminding Timothy, Timothy, you've been bought at a price. You've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. And he reminds Timothy, yeah, sure, we're saved by grace, but we're saved to works. Yeah, we're saved from something, but we're saved for something. Like when Jesus died on the cross and he said, it is finished, that, that didn't mean that that's our finish line. That's our starting line. In other words, God did not pay your sin debt in full for you to stop working. He paid your sin debt in full for you to start working as a workman approved by God. See, that, that's the whole point of this section of Scripture, that we're to do our part. God has done his part, saving us by grace, in order that, we now can do our part. And so in 2 Timothy 2, verse 20 through 26, we see this. And I'm going to read that in just a second. But you know the slogan in our state, Governor Bill Lee has said, do your part, stay apart. And we're going to do that physically. When we, even when we come back together on June 7th, we're going to stay six feet apart. We're going to do that. But spiritually, we need to remember, spiritually, we are not crisis fearers. We are Christ followers. And spiritually, we're called to do our part, and that is be set apart. So that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Do your part, be set apart spiritually. So let's see how Paul addresses this in 2 Timothy 2. So 2 Timothy 2, verse 20, uh, you can see the scripture here. The Bible says, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, that means because of this reason, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, 
along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Father, we thank you for your word. It is the truth that sanctifies us. It's the word when we hear it and believe it that saves us. It's this word that corrects us sharper than any two-edged sword. It reproves us, corrects us, separates right and wrong, good and evil. God, we pray as we hear the word that we will believe it and we will respond in a way that brings you honor and glory. And we ask all this in the name that's above every name. That is the name of Jesus. And God's people said, amen. Here's our big idea, takeaway, sermon in a sentence. Here it is, do your part. Simple as I can put it, do your part. Paul is challenging Timothy. Timothy, do your part. And he gives them some reminders. So verse 20 through 26 really goes with all the way back to verse 14. It's, it's one big section. We just split it up over the last couple of weeks. And this week, there's some more reminders that we need to remember as we do our part. So here's number one. As you do your part, remember this. We are to be set apart. Spiritually, set apart. Now, what does that mean? Well, it's helpful how Paul explains this to him. He uses a very helpful illustration. Look at it with me in verse 20. Now, in a great house, now the great house here is the church. That's what it is. It's the household of God. It's the oikos of God, the church. So in any given church, notice what he says, they're not only vessels of gold and silver, and that's the same way in your house. You have different vessels in your house. Right? Some are gold, some are silver, some are wood, some are clay, some are honorable use, some are dishonorable use. So in any house, Paul is saying there's vessels, uh, buckets, jars, containers, different vessels that serve different purposes. For example, uh, you are not probably going to feed your pet with grandmother's china, are you? Probably not. I hope that you don't serve your guest out of Lucky's food bowl right? Your dog or cat's food bowl. Please don't do that if, if I come over. Don't serve me from the pet's bowl, right? You're not going to do that. That's not what that vessel's used for. You're, you're not going to uh, prepare dinner in the toilet. That's not what the toilet is used for. That's a vessel that's for another purpose, right? You're not going to serve your guest out of the garbage can, right? Have you ever had somebody over and either you've asked this question uh, being a guest at someone's house or someone's a guest at your house and they've asked you the question, where's the garbage can? Where's the garbage can? They have something they want to throw away. Why do they ask you that? Because probably you have the garbage can hidden away, tucked away somewhere. Why? You're not going to feature the garbage can. You're going to invite them over. Hey, I can't wait for you to come. Look at my garbage can. Hey, look at this garbage can. Right? You, you put that away. That's a vessel of dishonorable use. Right? Of course. You remember... Oscar the Grouch, don't you, from Sesame Street, living in a garbage can. I was talking to Brad the other day, and he said he heard a, a little, read an article or 
heard a podcast or something about Oscar the, the Grouch was an unstable emotionally for kids because it was teaching children that uh, this person, this, this someone, Oscar, was thrown away to live in a garbage can. Now, when I was a kid, that thought never crossed my mind, right? Just a cool guy living in a garbage can. But why would they even make that a controversy? Because a garbage can is typically not somewhere you would live, right? That's not the vessel that we live in. That's a vessel for something else. And so Paul is painting a picture that some vessels are used for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. So on a broad scale, what Paul is saying that is in any church, there, it's a mixed bag. There's believers, there's unbelievers, right? There's those who are faithful and those who are faithless. There are wheat and tares, Jesus even said. Uh, it's a mixed bag. That's why when, when, when people say, well, my excuse for not going to church is it's full of hypocrites, I say you're absolutely right. Of course it is. The church is the only place where a hypocrite can find hope, right? <laughs> like churches are hospitals for hypocrites. Uh, so come join us since you are one. <laughs> well, there's a place for you. Uh, you need hope. And we find that together corporately in this place called the church. So Paul is saying, listen, it's a mixed bag. We know it's a mixed bag. We know there's uh, vessels of honor and dishonorable use. More specifically, he's talking about Hymenaeus or, or Hymenaeus and Philetos who were teaching false doctrine. These two guys, you can look at their names back in verse 17, Hymenaeus and Philetos. They were teaching that the resurrection was not, it had already happened. There was never going to be or has been a bodily resurrection. That is a false doctrine. And Paul preached and taught that, yes, Jesus bodily was raised from the dead. That is the essential tenet of our faith, that without the bodily resurrection of Christ, we have no forgiveness. There is no forgiveness of sin. There is no faith. It is futile if Christ has not been raised from the dead. So Paul is saying, listen, there are dishonorable vessels like Hymenaeus and Philetos that are teaching false doctrine. Paul you are Timothy, you need to be like me, a vessel of honorable use, teaching the truth. In other words, the difference here is some are teaching false gospels. These two are teaching the truth. So that's what Paul is painting. Paul himself was described as a vessel in Acts chapter 9. In fact, when Jesus saved Paul, he was gloriously saved. And there was a servant there that was supposed to take Paul in. And he said, Lord, you don't understand. This Paul was Saul the assassin. And Jesus, this is what he said to his servant. He said, go, for he, Paul, is my chosen vessel to carry my name to the Gentiles. So that same word for vessel in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, is the same word for vessel here in 2 Timothy 2. So these vessels are those who are standing for truth and those who are caught, ensnared in the devil's trap and holding to false, erroneous doctrine. And Paul is saying, Timothy, you've got to be set apart. Be set apart. So here's the question. Who can be set apart? Who is it that can be a useful, honorable vessel for God's work? Well, the question is answered in verse 21. Look at it. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, that's every person and any person, anyone, anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. So anyone can be cleansed. Anyone can be used as an honorable vessel for the Lord. Now, we can't do that apart from grace, right? We're in a state of sin, and we can't pay the penalty of our own sin. Christ has already done that. So we can't do this apart from grace. But what Paul is saying is under grace, through grace, by grace, you need to reject, get rid of 
the false erroneous doctrines. Don't stick to them. Don't adhere to them. Don't follow them. Don't believe them. But you pursue the pure gospel. The gospel of Jesus and him crucified. The descendant of David who was raised from the dead. And gives life to those who believe. So Paul is saying, listen. here's, Here's the hope that we find in these two verses. Here it is. If you have fallen for false gospels, if if you're buying into the lie from the enemy, here's the good news. You don't have to stay that way. Like, you can be changed. That's the beauty of verse 20 and 21. You can be changed. You can be transferred from from darkness to light and death to life and unbelief to belief. You can be changed. That's the good news of this text. You don't have to stay that way. Listen, the great hope is if you've been living in the garbage can of life, you don't have to stay there. Some of you are angry, but you don't have to stay that way. Some of you are bitter or critical, have a critical spirit. You don't have to stay that way. Some of you are depressed, discouraged, disappointed. Listen, you don't have to stay that way. Some of you are envious. You're full of envy and jealousy. You don't have to stay that way. Some of you are given into lust. Hopeless, jealous, lost. You don't have to stay that way. Some of you are Atlanta Falcons fans, and you don't have to stay that way, praise God. I don't know how that got in there. Some of you are racist. You don't have to stay that way. Some of you are unforgiving, or you're unforgiven, and you don't have to stay that way. You don't have to. But here's the bigger question. The question is not, can you change? Here's the bigger question. Jesus asked this question in John chapter 5, verse 5 and 6. Jesus encountered a man. The Bible says it this way. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd already been there for a long time, Let me ask you a question. How long have you been angry? How long have you been bitter? How long have you been depressed and discouraged, jealous? How long have you been given to lust? How long? Well, Jesus looks at this guy. He'd been there a long time. And this is what Jesus asked him. Here's what he said to him. Listen to this. Do you want to be healed? Wow. What a question. Like that should rock your world. See, the reality is that some of us are accustomed to our anger. Oh, we, we bask in our bitterness. We like our lust. We're right at home in our hopelessness. We're enveloped in our envy. We're just fine in our jealousy. We don't want to be healed. The question is not, can you change? Do you want to change? And, and, and the good news is you can. See, here's, here it is. Anybody can change. Anybody can be healed. Not everybody will. 
Because not everybody wants to. Be set apart. And the end of verse 21 is so encouraging. Look at it. Here's what it says. Set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house. I love this. I love how it ends. Ready for every good work. You know, here's what we think. Here's here's how we think. We think, well, I've got to get some skills before I'm ready. I've got to be skilled before I'm ready. And God says, nope. Holiness, not skillfulness, determines your readiness to be used of God. You remember Moses said it like this. God, I don't talk too good. Who am I, Lord? I don't talk too good. I'm not skilled in that. Moses' skillfulness never determined his readiness to be used by God. It was his holiness. It was a fact that he was set apart. So your part and my part is to be set apart for the Lord and for his glory and for his honor. Holiness, not skillfulness, determines our readiness. We can see that all the way back in Leviticus 19 too. You shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. That God will not leave us in our unholiness if we trust in him. Number two, if we're going to do our part, we've got to pursue a pure heart. We have to pursue a pure heart. Look at verse 22. Here we go. 22 says, so flee youthful passions, like run away from them. Like flee from them, like shun them and avoid them and escape them, like seek safety from them. Get away from them. And I know we immediately think of of sexual sin and we immediately think of Joseph hightailing it away from Potiphar's wife. And yes, we must and we should flee sexual sin. But Paul says youthful passions, plural, meaning not just one sin, not just one passion, But think about the passions of a a young man. Think about a young Timothy and the passions that he would be tempted. Think about, have you ever met someone young that knows it all already? You ever met somebody like that? They're arrogant, they're stubborn, they're harsh, they're unkind. They have no life experience. I know one, uh, one famous preacher said of a young preacher that was very skilled, he said, man, he's a, he, he's, he's a great preacher, he's a good preacher, but when he goes through suffering, he'll be an excellent preacher, right? There's just something that comes with age. Dr. Al Mohler was asked the question when he was president-elect uh, at, at the seminary where he's president, that they asked him, uh, what do you intend to do about you being so young? He's like in his 30s. He says, what do you intend to do about that? He said, I intend to age. That's what I intend to do. So as young, there's temptations, there's passions that we must flee from, that we can't control everything, that we are not to argue to make a point, that we're not to be harsh and stubborn, and and we're not to be unkind. And Paul says, flee from all of these. In fact, the word flee in the Greek is where we get our English word fugitive. The word fugitive. When you think of a fugitive, what do you think of? I know what I think of. When I think of fugitive, here's what I hear Paul saying, that we are to flee like Harrison Ford away from these youthful passions like get away from them and as we flee from those we flee from them we don't flirt with them we flee from them and then he says pursue righteousness pursue faith now faith is belief plus trust 
We believe and we trust in Jesus. That's faith. Not just belief, but you put your trust in what you believe. That's faith. Love is love God and people. Peace is being able to live in harmony, not conforming. Not conformity. Unity is, is, is diversity coming together. It's not conformity. So peace among all those who call on the Lord. So that's what we're to pursue. So in order to pursue that, you've got to flee from what is wrong to pursue what is right. In other words, you've got to say no to the wrong things in order to say yes to the right things. There's some things in your life, believer, that you must say no to in order to say yes to the right thing. Your no is just as important as your yes. Remember that. Pursue a pure heart. Number three, if we're going to do our part, we got to understand that quarreling is not our part. Bickering and fussing and arguing and quarreling is not our part. Verse 23 highlights this. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Now the word here for foolish is moros in the Greek where we get our word moronic. So don't be a moron. Don't be stupid. Don't be a fool and get caught up in these uh, ignorant controversies. In other words, you have no permission whatsoever to yell at someone because they yell at you. You have no permission as a Christ follower to curse at someone who curses at you. You have no permission to go off on somebody on social media because they've gone off on you. You don't have that permission. You don't have a permission to buy into, to fall off into, to headlong race into these ignorant, foolish controversies. I was listening to a podcast the other day talking about crisis like, like coronavirus and is it God's divine judgment? Is this, is this what this is all about, that God is judging the world? Is this what it's about? And, and it was an interesting podcast because they were talking about, okay, some folks, that's their go-to when anything like this happens, a natural disaster, it's, it's automatically directly God's judgment. And we know that sin has brought all this certainly However, for a specific judgment on a specific thing, is, that is not helpful in conversation. When you tell somebody that, when you're talking to an unbeliever and you say, well, this is God's judgment, it's, it's not going to point them to Christ. They're not going to look to Christ. They're going to look at you and say, who are you to say this is God's judgment? A better way to approach that would be, hey, when these things happen, we need to think of them like, wow, this COVID-19 is a loudspeaker saying, hey, wake up. Because listen, death is is real like you can really die and maybe that will give people a deep desire to look at questions about life and God and what happens after death and enter into conversation so bottom line quarreling is not our part okay that's not what God's called us to do and we're going to see how all this is possible here in a moment how we can do any of this as followers of Christ we're going to see that in a moment so number four if we're to do our part we're to point people to Jesus till you depart the rest of your life, until you depart, you point people to Jesus. Now, what did Paul do? If you look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 6. 2 Timothy 4, verse number 6. Paul says this. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. So Paul is departing at the end of this letter. 
We don't know if he's got days left, weeks left, months left, but we know it's close. He is coming to the end of his life. He's about to, to depart and be away from the body and to be present with the Lord. He's about to be with Christ. He is departing, his departure. So until that day when he departed, all he did from the time he was saved to the time he was taken up, departed, died, went to be with the Lord, he pointed people to Jesus. And that's what you're to do, and that's what I'm to do to point people to Jesus till we depart. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, it reads this way. And the Lord's servant. Now, that's an interesting word. Servant. We're not the Lord's master, okay? We're not the master's master, okay? We're the master's servant, right? There's a master of the house that Paul mentioned in verse 21. It's not you and it's not me. It's Jesus. We are his servants. And the beauty of of Jesus is, and how we can do any of this, is this, that Jesus, the master, served his servants. Like, even though he was equal with God, he humbled himself. He became a servant. He laid down his life for you and for me. He breathed his last. He died. He was buried. He was raised from the dead and giving life and and freedom to anyone who would believe in him. And because he is the ultimate worker for God, workman for God, finishing the work of redemption. Ultimate work of God was to finish that redemption. Jesus did it. And Jesus is the honorable vessel. He was set apart to rescue sinners and he did it. And Jesus was the ultimate servant as he laid down his life for his friends, for you and me. So how do we do any of this? We have to look to Jesus. We can't do it in and of our strength. We do it by and through and in the grace of God through the person of Jesus who's done it all already. He's done his part and now we get to do our part under his grace. So what does that part look like? Well, we're to be like Jesus and we're to be kind to everyone. That means everyone. Not just the people that are our kind or not just the people that are kind to us. We're to be kind to people that are unkind to us. We're to be kind to everyone. That is kind to the unborn, the people in the womb that are still in the womb, and the born, the people outside of the womb. We're to be kind to everyone. We're to be kind to those who are born again, believers, and we're to be kind to those who are unborn again or not born again unbelievers we're to be kind to those who are wearing masks and we're to be kind to those who are not wearing masks we're to be kind to people who don't believe like us don't live like us don't act like us don't look like us we're to be kind to everyone that's everybody we're to be kind to them all kindness be kind to everyone be able to teach jesus taught with one who had authority didn't he Yes, and we, it, it, we, we go under his authority, and, and that's why the commission is clear that we're to teach them to observe everything that Jesus has commanded us under his authority. So we teach not on our own authority, but under his. We endure evil as Christ did. He endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. We are to correct with gentleness. This, this doesn't say don't stand on truth and and, and don't proclaim the gospel. No, no, no. It says do it, but do it with gentleness. Proclaim the truth with gentleness. Here's what we need to remember. We'll never point anybody to Jesus by being mean or unkind. That's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Uh, here's, here's what 
Paul understood. He didn't stop pointing people to Jesus until he departed. And we're not to stop pointing people to Jesus until we depart. This whole section is just a picture of Christ, the ultimate servant that calls us to be his servants. Hey, do your part. Point people to Jesus till you depart. There's a, there's a movie that came out recently called 1917. It's a, it's a war movie, a war film. And the director, uh, writer and director, Sam Mendez, he, he shared the source of his war film. And, and, and I quote what he said. He said, I had a story that was a fragment told to me by my grandfather who fought in the First World War. He was a signaler. He was a messenger. He would take messages from one battle line to the next. And he said, it's the story of a messenger who has a message to carry. Boy, isn't that the Great Commission? We are messengers who have a message to carry. And I've got news for you. COVID-19, because it started, doesn't mean that the commission has stopped. It hasn't stopped. We're to point people to Jesus until we depart, just as Paul did. Number five, last one. Do your part and understand this. God alone changes hearts. If you hear anything, please hear this. God alone is the one who changes hearts. He's the only one that can change a heart. He's the only one. Paul said it like this, and I love Paul's authentic, genuine, evangelistic heartbeat. Listen to the heart of the apostle. Listen to this. Now, he's talking about Hymenaeus and Philetus. Philetos. He's talking about guys who have swerved from the truth. He's talking about guys who are teaching and preaching a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. And here's what he says about them. Here is heart here. Listen. Verse number 25. God may perhaps grant them repentance. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. Now, let's break that down and think about that. So you've got God, perhaps, granting repentance. When someone unfollows you, when someone unfriends you, when someone cuts you off on the road, is that your prayer for them? (laughs) Is that what you think about them or say about them? Or you see somebody acting a fool in this post or that post, and they're putting all kind of beliefs out there. Is your prayer for them, oh, God, would you grant them repentance? Oh, God, perhaps you may grant them repentance and that they'll come to a knowledge of the truth, that they'll, that they'll come to their senses. Is that our prayer? Are we burdened by the lostness around us? Do we have that compassion that the Lord had? That they may come to their senses. You remember the story of the prodigal. There's a point in that narrative where he's eating what the pigs eat, and the Bible says he, he comes to himself. He He has this uh, revelation, and he comes to himself, and he returns to the Father. He comes to his sins. I think about the man possessed with a legion of demons. The Bible says he encountered Jesus, and he he was found suited and clothed and in his right mind. That that they may come to their senses and see this revelation that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through him. I saw this week another one. It's happening week after week after week. I saw another lead vocalist 
for a Christian band called Hawk Nelson is the band's name who is walking away from the faith. He has renounced his faith in Christ. He has turned from the truth and he said, I don't even believe in God. A Christian lead vocalist, another one, just like the popular duo Rhett and Link. They're just swerving from the truth. Why? Because the devil is active. Listen, we're not the only ones fishing for men. The devil's busy. He's ensnaring whomever he can. And we've got to be broken by the lostness around us and pray that God would grant them repentance and knowledge of the truth and to, and to come to their senses. So Paul, his passion just erupts off the page here. That that's his heartbeat. For Hymenaeus and Philetos, these guys who have swerved from the truth. So here's what I want to challenge you to do, church, right now. Right now. Not 10 minutes from now, not 10 seconds from now. Right now. I want you to text the first name. Maybe it's a husband, maybe it's a wife, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a parent, maybe a brother, maybe a sister, maybe a friend, maybe an enemy. Text the first name of a person that you would love to see God grant him or her repentance. I want you to text that name to this number, 423-440-8555. You can also put that name right now in the chat section on live stream, or if you're on Facebook Live, you can send it that way. Right now, send those names. When we dismiss here in a few minutes, we're going to sing a song after a few minutes, and then we're going to dismiss. I'm going to pray for these names by name. So you need to send them now. Because I'm praying for them today, right now, in this service. We're going to trust God's Word. We're going to believe God's Word. And we're going to pray as Paul did to grant repentance to those who have swerved from the truth. Who were ensnared by the devil. Whom God loves and Jesus died for. He died for them. So don't you think we can pray for them? So send those names in and send them now. Listen, you can find plenty of mechanics to repair your car that just quits working transmission goes out or a pool pump that quits working you can find plenty of of, of mechanics to fix those issues you, you can find plenty of preachers to preach the gospel you can find plenty of teachers that can fix your ignorance you can find plenty of coaches who can fix your losing season you can find plenty of attorneys who can fix your legal situation you can find plenty of doctors who can fix what ails you you, you can find plenty of technicians who can fix this device or that device but I'm here to tell you, there's only one stonemason. There's only one carpenter who fixes human hearts. And his name is Jesus. Jesus only. Jesus. And he loves you. And he knows you. And he loves you anyway. And he wants to change you. Now if you want to be changed, and that's the question. <laughs> Do you want to be changed? And I want to encourage you to text the name Jesus among all those other names. I'd love to see the name Jesus among those names to 423-440-8555. If you want to know how you can be changed by the Lord Jesus, I want you to text his name, this number. We want to talk to you right now. There's room for you. There's time for you. You can be changed now and today. And you can be changed forevermore. So text us and let us know, yes, I want to talk with somebody. I want to pray with somebody to trust Christ as my Savior. 
That's what I want to do. I want to be changed. Then you text that number. If you want God to grant you repentance, text your own name to that number. Wherever you are, text it, chat it, Facebook Live it. Let us know the names of these men and women. Do your part. Do your part, church, and text those names right now. Do your part. Be set apart. Pursue a pure heart. Know that quarreling is not your part. Point people to Jesus till you depart. And listen, know this. God alone changes hearts. So do your part. Knowing that the ancient of days is beyond better than your best days and way better than your worst days. Do your part. Knowing that be holy is the secret to being happy. Do your part. Knowing that people being connected to Jesus is far more important than people being corrected by us. Do your part. Do your part knowing that the devil has snared some, sure, as we read in here. But the divine has spared not his son. Do your part knowing that fear has no place among those of the faith who are saved by grace. Do your part knowing that your fear is putting faith in the enemy while your faith is posting, hey, fear is empty. So do your part. Do your part knowing that God's word is far greater than the God of this world. Do your part that, the, that you know the holiness of Leviticus 19 is far greater than the hopelessness of COVID-19. Do your part knowing that on this earth, Jesus' last day was not his last dance. Do your part. Do your part knowing that wearing your hypocritical mask is far more dangerous than not wearing a surgical mask. Do your part knowing that saying no to your flesh is part of saying yes to the one who became flesh. Do your part knowing that a sanitized heart is far greater than sanitized hands. Hey, do your part knowing that spiritual connectivity is superior to social distancing. Do your part knowing that vessels of Christ are far more important than ventilators in a crisis. Do your part knowing that Jesus is far greater than any virus. Do your part, church. Do your part.